Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you've had a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is something that affects all you incel virgin simps. I can't say it with a straight face. So if you didn't see, over the last 24 hours, while you have companies like Twitter announcing that they will remove or flag things like COVID-19 vaccine misinformation, you had Twitch announcing a new harassment policy to the world, noting that they're now banning the words incel, virgin, and simp when you as an insult. You had Twitch COO Sarah Clemens saying during a town hall on their official stream, making any derogatory statements about another person's perceived sexual practices, and that does include negatively targeting another person with sexually focused terms. So using terms like simp, um, incel, or virgin is an insult. Uh, to negatively refer to another person's sexual activity is not allowed under this new policy. And so using those terms or even emotes related to those terms can lead to a ban. Now this news, as expected, if you have any knowledge of the Twitch community there, uh, it was widely mocked. And this, even by huge mainstream talent like Jacksepticeye who tweeted, thank God Twitch finally cured all toxicity online. The great virgin and simp wars are finally over. The land is at peace and nature is healing. You also had people like Faze Simp, pointing out that uh, he may be having a problem in the near future. With others, like Laserbeam, proudly announcing that they will stand in defiance of these new rules, saying what kind of incel made that decision? Real men simp and I won't stop. You also have people in the community coming up with quick alternatives to the word since, you know, words, language, it's all fluid. Creators that blew up this year like Nicolo writing, I need to find a new word. Instead of incel, I'll say man baby. And instead of simp, I'll say kings. But also on the other side of this, you had people pointing out that it's not a completely black and white situation. With people arguing that it's not as draconian as it might seem, right? Because the words are not outright banned. Noting that those words would have to be used as an insult to negatively refer to someone's sexual activity. With Twitch telling Rod Breslow, using these terms on their own wouldn't lead to an enforcement, but we would take action if they were repeatedly used in a harassing manner. But also going on to say we deny emotes related to these terms and take them down when they are reported to us. But also noting we have a stricter policy on emotes overall because they can be used across Twitch so we take more proactive measures to minimize the potential for harm. And that's essentially the story. Uh, reportedly uh, these changes will be implemented and enforced as of January 22nd. And of course with this story I'd love to know your thoughts on this ban, on this change. To you, is it something that makes sense? It'll actually have change? Or no, you think it's not gonna have the impact intended or it's ridiculous? Why, why not? I will say it is just, it's interesting to see. Simp is such a peculiar word. It feels like this year it got used so much it stopped meaning anything. Like it feels like a word that started with a very specific meaning and target and then it ended up just getting thrown around so much it was like if you were just being nice to a woman it was like, oh you simp. But main thing, I'd love to know your thoughts on this move by Twitch. Then let's talk about updates regarding the great movie war of 2020, which is what I'm calling it to make it sound more interesting. But no, we've talked about this a few times. Warner Brothers making huge 2021 news, right? Announcing that they're releasing all their films next year on HBO Max the same day that they're released in theaters, starting with Wonder Woman 1984 this Christmas. And since we last talked about it, we've seen more and more huge names slamming this move. You have the likes of Christopher Nolan, who has a long relationship with the studio saying, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up 
to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Also doubling down on that criticism this week, saying the studio needed to collaborate with the filmmakers on what was going to happen. They didn't speak to the filmmakers, they didn't speak to the theater chains. You also had writer and director Judd Apatow say, it's the type of disrespect that you hear about in the history of show business. But to do that to just every single person that you work with is really somewhat stunning, as well as calling it a financial nightmare. You also had Timothy Chalamet popping up in the news because he wore a legendary sweatshirt at the end of his SNL appearance. Notably there, legendary is the production company behind his upcoming movie Dune, which is now set to be released on HBO Max the same day as it's in theaters next year, though uh, Warner Brothers is likely to face a challenge there. But the main thing there is it looked like Timothy Chalamet was standing with legendary against this move. But all of that brings us to the big news we saw yesterday where theater chains were like, okay, you want to try and shake things up with HBO Max? Well, uh, according to Hollywood Reporter, there are now theater exhibitors considering slashing prices for tickets to Warner Bros. movies, going as low as three to five dollars a head, and they want to keep 75 to 80 percent of that revenue, meaning Warner Bros. would almost get nothing back. Essentially, the move would be, okay, you're going to screw us, we're going to screw you. Though, from a business standpoint, it does kind of make sense. They kind of have to cut the price to these movies if they want to be competitive. An HBO Max subscription is just $15 a month, and, I mean, there's a seven-day free trial. This is not an ad, by the way. You know, out here in LA, you expect to pay $15 a head if you go to the movie theater. Plus, with fears about COVID-19, because we are still in the midst of pandemic, which, by the way, is raging, I think the price change would make sense, but you also have places like AMC and Cinemark saying they will consider whether or not to even screen Warner Bros. movies on a title-by-title basis. With AMC going even further, saying they could run out of money next month, also citing the HBO Max deal as one of the reasons why. And to make matters worse for them, HBO Max this week actually became more accessible because it's now available on Roku. Then in finance slash crypto news, if you haven't seen right now, Bitcoin is booming. This morning, Bitcoin passing 23 thousand dollars. Well, I think a lot of people have known that this is coming for a while. Uh, today was one of the days where I was like, oh, the, the boom is here. Because today was the day that I got a lot of texts from people going, hey, I know that we last talked about Bitcoin when it was 6,000, but how do I get it again? Which, understand, is a good and a bad thing. It's good, obviously, for those that support Bitcoin because the more people that adopt it, the more viable it is. But, of course, potential bad is that there is risk here. Right? It's not just this magic thing that always goes up, especially if you're not thinking long-term. I know of a lot of people that have stories like, I bought Bitcoin at 20,000, sold at 9,000, which is actually, I think, why we saw the CEO of Coinbase yesterday releasing a blog post saying, well, we're always excited to see increased interest in crypto. It's also important to point out that this is not only a time of high volumes, but also price volatility. The market can move in either direction much faster than equity markets. Also adding, we caution investors who may be focusing on short-term speculation and encourage customers to seek out resources and consult financial advisors to better understand the risks associated with investing in cryptocurrencies. But also, at the same time, we are seeing a lot of positive reports about the future of Bitcoin, including things like today, Bloomberg reporting that Scott Minard of Google Guggenheim Investments believes that Bitcoin's fair value still has a way to go. Noting that the firm's chief investment officer said Bitcoin's scarcity combined with the rampant money printing by the Federal Reserve mean the digital token should eventually climb to about $400,000. And going on to say it's based on the scarcity and relative valuation, such as things like gold as a percentage of GDP. So, you know, Bitcoin actually has a lot of the attributes of gold and at the same time has an unusual value in terms of transactions. And as far as my opinion on this, I'm not gonna share it. Everyone's personal financial situation is different, short-term, long-term, how much, how important each dollar is. I know people who are playing the long game that got in very early on that are very, very happy. I know people who bought high, sold low. But as far as what actually happens from here, who the 
hell knows? I've always treated crypto investments like I may be throwing my money into a fire or a magic box that goes to the moon, but I'm not emotionally capable to keep up with it day to day, so I'm just gonna return to it in several years. So what I will say with this story, and understand a lot of people are very excited, some people might even not like that I am saying this, just be careful, there is no such thing as a 100% sure thing, I understand the FOMO is big right now. But just be careful because Bitcoin, it very well may be the future, but a lot of the people that say things like it is 100% guaranteed have a vested interest in that being the, the, the reality that we all experience. And understand, I say that as someone that wants to see it keep going up. And the last thing that we're gonna talk about today are actually several things regarding the pandemic. The first being that in the coming months and in the, in the next year, we're gonna start being able to fill in some scary blanks. Like on a day-to-day -day basis in this pandemic, you probably feel what this has been doing to mental health and, and personal struggles. But uh, we're starting to see things like the, the CDC today releasing data showing an estimated 81,000 people died from a drug overdose between June 2019 and May 2020. It's the highest number ever recorded in a 12-month period. We also see those overdose deaths spiking during the first three months of 2020. And while much of the 12 months in this report happened before the pandemic, the agency is also estimating that the U.S. will surpass last year's record. Axios noting the provisional data suggests the pandemic accelerated overdose deaths. CDC Director Robert Redford saying the disruption to daily life due to the COVID-19 pandemic has hit those with substance use disorder hard. Once again, this data only goes to May 2020, which is why in the coming months and in the coming year, those numbers are expected to hit all-time highs. And that really concerning note also brings us to the other two parts of this story, and that is potential relief. You know, as we talked about earlier this week, the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine is starting to make its way in the United States. And uh, there we're actually seeing some good news, things like the Pfizer vaccine vials are actually being shipped with extra doses, which uh, just to start off here, that is actually completely normal. Vaccine manufacturers usually overfill their vials in case there are any spills or other kind of human errors. But if those accidents don't happen, you know, you have each vial expected to hold five doses. But yesterday we saw the Food and Drug Administration saying that some actually contained a sixth or even possibly a seventh dose. With the FDA also giving the green light to use those extra doses, which is very notable because that means that our national supply could potentially be expanded by up to 40%. However, while it is likely that we will see more doses than expected, the actual increase is expected to be somewhat lower. And this largely for two reasons. First, pharmacists still won't be allowed to mix partial doses from separate vials. And second, we're seeing reports that before the FDA came out and said, okay, use those doses, many pharmacists who were confused on what to do began throwing out hundreds of extra doses. And if you're like, why, Phil? Why would they ever? It's because the FDA is rather strict about its emergency use guidelines. But that's also why you have people crediting pharmacists who said, why are we just not using this? Then reaching out to the FDA and Pfizer uh, as the reason as to why this was greenlit. In fact, former Obama administration health official Andy Slavitt even telling Politico, I think this is more clever pharmacist than something missed by Pfizer. Which regarding the vaccine is the kind of good news we need because at the same time we're seeing concerning headlines today like Biden advisors warn Trump mass vaccine timeline may be too optimistic. Democrats are warning that Trump may have unrealistically raised expectations to make Biden look bad if the shots are delayed. With NBC News reporting that one physician close to the transition said it might not be until late summer or early fall before the vaccine begins to be widely available to the general public. But hopefully that more delayed timeline is not what we are actually looking at. And the final bit that we'll talk about here is economic relief and economic concerns. Because today we had the Department of Labor reporting that another 885,000 Americans filed for unemployment last week, which is the highest number since the end of summer. It is an unfortunate and continuing 
trend. I mean, at the end of last month, more than 20 million Americans were still out of work, which is a number that will likely become higher at the end of this month, which is one of the many reasons you have so many people looking at potential economic stimulus from Congress, especially because there have been concerns with stimulus bill proposals in the past that it doesn't do enough when it comes to unemployment, right? For example, the, the current proposal is just around $900 billion, which is less than half of the $2.2 trillion CARES Act and the, the price tag Democrats have been asking for. And so that pared down plan, which Democrats agreed to in a compromise with Republicans who refused to go over $1 trillion also means pared down benefits for millions and millions of Americans who are hurting right now. Right, so rather than the $600 a week that was tacked on to people collecting unemployment via the CARES Act, which Democrats were pushing for again, the original bipartisan framework that everyone's been working with proposed just $300 a week, though that is also certainly better than the $0.0 that were floated under Mitch McConnell's counterproposal. Also notably, congressional leaders have said that in order to also include the $600 stimulus checks that they announced that they were adding to the bill just yesterday, they had to scale back money from the unemployment program. So those extra benefits that you be getting, right, that $300 a week, that would only last for 10 weeks rather than the 16 weeks that was called for in the first bipartisan plan. Right, so if they cut those six weeks, people who are going to get a collective $1,800 over that period would instead just get a single one-time check that's about a third of that amount. There are also concerns on will the final thing do enough to help people at risk of eviction? And that's because the current proposed legislation would provide $25 billion in rental assistance, but Experts have said that in order to avert a massive eviction crisis, we need four times that amount. But according to data collected by the Census Bureau, one third of US households right now say they are behind on their rent or mortgage payments and will likely face eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. And that is also a situation that could get a lot worse if the federal ban on evictions expires, which is incredibly significant here. Because as of right now, the stimulus package would only extend the moratorium until the end of January, which is a problem, but we don't know how big of a problem right now. Biden will become president on January 20th. Right now, we don't know the final makeup of the Senate, which will drastically affect what can actually be passed. So regardless of the makeup, 11 days to figure out the legislation that would actually impact millions of lives? That's not a great amount of runway. But on that concerning note, that is where I'm going to end today's show. As always, thank you for being a part of my daily dives in the news here. If you're new here, definitely hit that subscribe button, tap that bell to turn on notifications. Also, if you're looking for more to watch, I got that brand new DeFranco Does video, or maybe you just missed yesterday's show, you wanna catch up, you can click or tap right there. But with that said, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you next time on what is likely the last Philip DeFranco show of the year.